0: What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Waste Management Phoenix Open. And quick programming note, I'll be in Phoenix this week, basically all week. CBS Sports is sending us down there. They have built this massive stage for us to create content from. All week long. I believe it is going to be positioned right on kind of the back of the driving range and you should kind of be able to walk near it from what I understand. So come over, say hello. I'm sure I'll be walking the grounds and I'll be out there uh, every single day. So very much looking forward to it. But because I'm going It's going to change the schedule just a little bit. I tried to keep it as normal as possible for this week. So obviously, Monday, what you're watching right now is the DFS preview. The betting preview with Andy will still come out uh, Tuesday morning. The live chat is the big change. Instead of being 3 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, it's going to be 10 a.m. Eastern on Wednesday. That's so I can do the live chat and then go to the golf course and do my responsibilities. So if you have questions, comments, or concerns about this week, uh, go over to the room right now. That live chat room already exists, and you can start dropping your questions in right now so that I can answer them on Wednesday morning. Additionally, for those of you who know, I also run uh, Run Good Props, the YouTube channel and the website, and normally I would do a prop show Wednesday morning. What we're going to do we're just going to combine it all into one. So the live chat this week is probably going to be a little bit longer, which will be great. And there'll be a 10 minute segment or so going through the props for the week. So just lumping them all together into one show and we'll knock them both out that way. Uh, the jock market power hour still 8 15 PM Eastern time on Wednesday night. No changes there, but uh, the the live chat uh, being Wednesday morning is, is the big one. Okay. Uh, Without further ado, uh, let's go and talk about TPC Scottsdale. This is the course key stats tool at rickrungood.com. It's my website. It's everything you see is going to be from from there. So what do we know about TPC Scottsdale? Well, I, I think this is a fairly stout test. You know, this is a golf course, especially since the redesign a couple of years ago that got significantly more difficult. And I think it's a true test of your all around game. If you look at this regression model, which all it does is uh, very simply, but very powerfully look at the results for the last handful of years and the types of golfers that had the better results, the last handful of years compares every single stat to one another. And it starts to build the types of golfers that have success at every single golf course. Very, very simple, very, very powerful. And what you'll note, and this is pretty rare, is that there are three different top 15 stats. Actually, there's four different top 15 stats. Uh, Strokes gained off the tee ranks 14th, which means there's only 13 other courses on the PGA Tour where strokes gained off the tee is more important. Strokes gained approach is 11th. That means that there are only 10 other courses in which strokes gained approach is more important. Around the green, 15th which means there's only 14 other courses in which strokes gain around the green is, is more important. And the driving distance is 15th. Again, same thing. Only 14 other courses in which uh, driving distance is more important. You put those together. No surprise. that You see strokes gain T to green rank very highly because that's off the T it's approach. It's around the green. So it makes sense that that, that also ranks very, very highly um, really strokes game putting is the only one that I don't want to say doesn't matter but is not as strongly correlated to success as these other 3 or 4 big statistics are and that's rare it's rare that you get a golf course where there are you know 3 of the 4 main Major strokes gain categories are top 15. I don't even know if there is another example of that, to be quite honest with you. And then you look over here on the left hand side, which is the, the less common stats, right? The stats that are at least a little bit wonkier or, you know, might not really much shouldn't be as part of the big correlation. But what do you see here? Approaches from over 275 yards. Approaches from 150 to 175. Approaches from 50 to 125. Approaches from 75 to 100. It's like basically every bucket, right? So so where I'm going with this is I believe – uh, TPC Scottsdale creates a situation in which uh, the best golfers from T to green are going to shine. They're going to get to the top of the board, whether or not it's because they play well from T to green this specific week. That's a different conversation, right? And the guys who end up playing well, and the guy who ends up winning is probably going to putt pretty well this week, but that is not the type of golfer that generally has success. So now that we have kind of a baseline for, what we can expect around TPC Scottsdale from Tita to green. Uh, let's see how that actually fits the players who are in the field this week. So the way we do that is we take the last 36 rounds or whatever number of rounds that you want and take the stats from those rounds and apply it to uh, these, these stats that are important and we pump out and adjust it fit. So really no surprise Rory McElroy is number one, right? Rory on most courses is going to have a really good adjusted fit. But when you are asking someone to be really stout from T to green, uh, that's where he's going to shine. He gets a, a little bit of a knock on his driving accuracy just because accuracy not nearly as important this week, uh, but still the top dog in terms of adjusted fit. Maybe a little bit of a surprise. Tommy Fleetwood is next. Right. So Tommy Fleetwood is going to get a big bump around the greens. He's going to get a decent bump on uh, his approach play and off the tee. So the only thing that he loses on is driving distance. But that's still enough to give him a pretty decent adjusted fit. Tony Finau, Tom Kim, Colin Morikawa are three, four and five. Curiously missing is is John Rom. Rahm. John Rom's here. He's like eighth on the list, so he's certainly not bad by any stretch of the imagination. And he probably does get a little bit of a knock because you know when you're using the strokes gain metrics, if you play a couple of events that we don't have the strokes gain numbers on, like John Rom has played worldwide recently, he might get a little bit of a knock there. So if we actually open this up to like last, uh, I mean, let's just do like last seventy five ish rounds just to kind of see. How this would adjust from here. Yeah, John Rom gets a little bit better. He actually moves up to to six. Tom Kim stays in there. Sung J M gets a pretty big boost. Uh Rory drops to number two. now goes to number one. Sung Jay is now in the mix. So yeah, these are these are your top end T to green players, right? Makes sense. Um, notably Tommy Fleetwood fell off uh going from 36 rounds to 74 rounds. But the rest of these guys are are pretty much staples no matter what time frame that you want to put it in. So, um, it's going to be it's going to be a battle of the big boys and it's going to be a kind of a little bit of game theory when you have what is it 23 of the top 24 eligible golfers playing in this event and you've a strength of field that is going to rival a major championship or a WGC, like that that's what we have this week and one of the big boys is going to win. And when you have that, like somebody's going to be priced $8,900 that shouldn't be, right? And somebody's going to be priced $9,100 that shouldn't be, right? So there are uh, a lot of game theory situations that we're going to put into play this week. And it's probably just time we look at the cheat sheet and see what that pricing is. The cheat sheet, and holy crap, look at this field. John Rom, Rory McElroy, Scotty Scheffler, Tony Finau, Xander Shoffley, all over 10K. You've heard the stats, you've seen them, right? Rory and Rahm have won combined something like a half of their last 14 starts. They're both absolutely insane. If you go to the golfer power rankings, uh, last 50 rounds, they are pretty much head and shoulders above the rest of the field. Rory gaining nearly three strokes per round, John Rahm at two and a quarter, Tony Finau, the only other guy over two. And if we were to lower this time frame to like the last 24 rounds, you would see these two basically creating a monster gap between them and the rest of the field. So So it is uh, absolutely no surprise to see them as the two most expensive golfers here. If you can only have one, which one is it? Well, let's do a little bit of a deep dive into both of these guys. Um, Rory McIlroy has this outrageous stretch of, uh, of, of huge gains, double digit gains. Right. And I'm talking in terms of, of strokes gain total. So in his last six starts, The worst he's done is gaining 10 strokes to the field. That's insane, right? So he's gone 10, 14, 13, 14, 12, 14. He has everything inside the top eight, going back to the BMW Championship, three victories along the way. Um, That streak of him not gaining double digits to the field, that ended, if you go back at, at the Tour Championship. Which is a staggered start. It's a weird thing. He didn't need to gain all those strokes, still won. So, just an outrageous stretch of golf. He's back to being the best driver uh, probably on planet Earth. He has not lost strokes on approach since the Valero Texas Open. We're 10 months removed from that. The putter has been diabolical, right? Plus four in Dubai, plus four at uh, the DP World Tour Championship, plus 2.7 at the CJ Cup. I mean, he's got it all going right now. Uh, When we look at John Rahm, he also has a little bit of uh, the good course history stuff as well. I mean, he's been great at TPC Scottsdale. The only things that you could say, and I mean this very, very kindly, John Rahm has been slightly, just slightly, more inconsistent than Rory McIlroy. That it's crazy, right? Because he won the Amex, he won the Tournament of Champions, he won the DP World Tour in Dubai, he won in Spain, he finished seventh at, at the Farmers. I get it, I get it. But look at the metrics. If you're watching on YouTube, you're you're seeing the same thing. Um, John Rahm lost strokes on approach at the Tournament of Champions. John Rahm has lost strokes around the green twice in his last seven or eight starts. Has lost strokes putting. Once in his last two starts, that is not saying like when, when, when Rory McIlroy in his prime is the bar and John Rahm is probably touching that bar and everyone else isn't even on the same planet. Do not take that as a knock against John Rahm. I'm just pointing out some of the statistical stuff that we see in these two profiles. Um, How are you going to decide between the two? I have no idea. Flip a coin. I, I truly do not have a great way of breaking this tie. Uh, Rory's $200 cheaper. Rom has the good course history. Play your man, right? Go go play your man and uh, get the guy that you want at the top. Really interested to see what happens with Scotty Scheffler. Finau at 10-1 should be pretty popular. Had a runner-up finish here in 2020, lost in a playoff to Webb Simpson. He's been playing great. He's that third man. Look at what Scotty's done just very quietly. Now, this is this is his first of four title defenses this year. Think about that. His first of four has been disappointing specifically with the putter has lost strokes putting in four of his last five in. What is that? Five of seven. It hasn't been good. Still all the great results. Runner up the hero. T7 at the Tournament of Champions, T11 at the American Express. Um, Scotty seems pretty poised to to contend this week. And if we want great players from T to Green with high upside in strong fields, hard to get better than Scotty Scheffler. So, T to Green in the last 50 rounds, Rory McElroy, number one, big gap to Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler, number two, everybody else behind. Um, we talk about strength of field a lot. And I don't know this off the top of my head, but I imagine because I'm pretty sure I've done this stat before. If we go back to the start of 2020 and we just crank the strength of field rating up on the Holy Grail to everything over 600, which is like WGCs and, and, and major championships, I bet you Scotty Scheffler grades out uh, very well here. Let this load. Yeah. He does. Him and John Rahm both have exactly 130 rounds, believe it or not. Rahm at 1.8 strokes game per round. Scotty Shuffler, number two, tied with Rory McElroy at 1.43. So I'm hoping we get a situation in which um, everybody's going to play one of Rahm or Rory. If they don't, maybe they go for Finau. I, I think Scheffler very early in the week, obviously, like at t Pebble Beach just ended like 15 minutes ago um, is when I'm recording this because I wanted to have all the updated data in there. Um, that that is what I hope is the overlooked band. We shall see the other two. Finau and Xander. Um, you know, you're going to hear me say this a lot, right? I mean, we're, we're we're splitting hairs here. This is like 24 of the top 25 players in the world. They're separated by a couple of hundred dollars. Finau is is very clearly a a third, but Xander has, um, excuse me, a third in terms of, you know, strokes gain total behind Rory and Rahm and some of these, um, you know, some of these last 36, some of these last 50 things that we run. Xander is starting to come around, right? I mean, the only the only bad start that he's had dating back to Memphis of last year was when he WD'd the Tournament of Champions. And that was injury related and he bounces right back and he starts playing well. If we look at his Phoenix history, it's pretty splendid. Five starts, no worse than T17, back to back years where he's gone T3, T2, um, ball striking like crazy when he gets to Phoenix. So this is this is really good stuff. So early in the week, without knowing what the ownership is gonna say, um, you know, I'm I'm circling Scheffler to be a little bit different. We'll see what we'll see what Xander does, but these are the top five players in what is essentially a major championship caliber field they're all great we just got to decide how to break these ties the 9k range let me start with someone that i'm a little bit worried about and it's really hard to be like oh i'm just gonna like full fade any of these guys at the top because this it's absolutely scary all of them are phenomenal and can and can break out at any moment um especially when you look at justin thomas is who i'm referring to that i'm a little bit worried about because he has five straight top 17s in Phoenix. Uh, The last four have been T8, T13, T3, T3. So that's that's really scary. But look at what he's done, right? So he gained seven strokes on approach last year. He gained eight and a half in 2019. He gained five in 2018. and, And gained multiple strokes putting in four or five. That version of Justin Thomas is not really what we're seeing right now. Uh, since the Scottish Open, so this goes back pretty far, measured stuff only, he is almost exactly tour average on approach. That's that's not good, especially because he is uh generally a very poor putter, right? He's lost multiple strokes putting in five of his last eight, and he's only gained strokes putting twice during that stretch, and he's never gained more than one stroke. So that... That's scary because he has to out hit his putter, and he's not out hitting it. Then in the last two, the tournament champions and the farmers, he's also lost strokes off the tee. So I see a golfer who probably needs to putt better than he's been putting, probably needs to hit his irons better than he's been hitting them, and probably needs to drive it better than he's been driving it. When you just compare that st- st- uh, stat profile to everybody else in in kind of the upper end of this field, it's worse. It's objectively worse, okay? I think that's that's fair to say. I think Justin Thomas would agree with that statement. It is objectively worse. So that is a little bit concerning when you have so many other great options like Colin Morikawa. So obviously he shoulda, woulda, coulda won the uh, Century Tournament of Champions, right? He ends up finishing uh, runner-up, I believe. Yeah, runner-up. And then he goes out and finishes third at the Farmers. And now you've got a stretch of four really strong tournaments Uh, and you throw out the ones in 22. Let's just look at this year runner up and a third place finish. He gained 10.3 strokes ball striking at the farmer's insurance open. So that's 3.6 off the tee, another 6.7 on approach. He's gained with the putter in each of his two starts in 2023. We know that that can kind of go away at any moment, but this is a golf course that asks you to be elite from tee to green. I know someone who is elite from T to green. His name is Colin Morikawa. Uh, he's played here once. 2020 gained 6.8 strokes on approach. He lost five putting. If he doesn't lose five putting. Probably wins his golf tournament, right? Because he would have been. It would have been a plus. It uh, would have been like plus 11 for the week. I wonder what what was that 2020. That was um, that was Simpsons year. Hold on a second. He wouldn't have won it. He would have finished in that tie for third. Fourteen under would have been, um, would have been third. Guys, uh, Simpson and Finau were three shots clear of everybody else. They were at seventeen under. But you get my drift, right? He just puts to a, puts to a zero, and that's all we're asking him to do. Basically, every time he tees it up. So this is this is a really solid stat profile. He's looking a lot like vintage Colin Morikawa. Um, splendid stuff. I don't care that he didn't win the Tournament of Champions. I, I don't care about any of that. The rest of this 9K range, pretty fascinating. How many will go back to home at 9,900? Is it deserved? Absolutely it is. But when you've got Murakawa and Cantley, Cantley's played here once, finished runner-up last year. Cantley is an absolute fantasy point scoring monster. Um, let me see if I can pull this up for you. This is his uh, fantasy point per- percentile, where basically it's like what percentile of the field do you finish in every single start in terms of fantasy points, and this average here this green line is basically his average so he averages like the 78th percentile but look at how many of these are up in the 90th and 100th percentiles right and these are all like weeks where you win your matchup in season-long fantasy or he is in the optimal lineup or he is close to it and he has very few uh really bad weeks right, where he just gives you nothing. Those are pretty few and far between. Uh, Obviously, the great history here and the T26 at the American Express where he lost three strokes putting. Yeah, the putter has been kind of bad twice in his last four measured starts, but look at what he's capable of doing. You know, he gained five, uh excuse me, he gained, let's see, two strokes ball strike at the American Express. Remember, that is only going to end up being what, two measured rounds for him because that was a three-course rotation. So in two measured rounds, he lost three strokes with the putter. He is capable, and we see it all the time, gaining three, four, five, six strokes over the course of four rounds. So I think he's a pretty sneaky option when I think everybody starts running to Max. Everybody starts running to Colin. Everybody might want to go to Hideki at 94. He's got great history around... Uh, Phoenix obviously has won here twice and then played well at the farmers, right? I think he's going to catch a lot of steam this week. So can't like kind of hanging out in the middle of the nine K range. We'll see what that ownership ends up being the bottom two or even the bottom three of this $9,000 range, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, 9,000 coming off of a miscut where he told us that he re-injured his neck. Let's wait and see. Let's see if we, I mean, he was seemingly quite honest about that injury last week and that he wasn't hundred percent. He said he was describing, he was playing pebble as a, as a warm-up. We'll see. We'll see what he says this week. Tom Kim and Sung Jae Im. Let's start with Sung Jae. I've, pro- I've not done a deep enough dive into Sung Jay on the show in a while. I think there's just this idea that, yeah, like everything. I, I, I love Sung Jae, right? What are we seeing from Sung Jae? Are we seeing the good ball striking version of himself? The answer is kind of right? So tournament of champions, he gains three strokes, ball striking finishes in the upper half of the field. Misses the cut at Sony. This is where he kind of burned everybody. I think there was an expectation that Sung Jae was going to contend and win. He was one of the favorites. Misses the cut. Comes back at the American Express. Now, again, this is, it's a lot more difficult to quantify because you're only seeing two rounds here, but he, he gained one stroke in the ball striking categories over, over uh, two rounds, but finished T 18 gained 9.8 in total. And then at the farmer's, this is what you want to start to see, right? Seven on approach, seven on approach in three rounds. Only the rounds played at the south course, right? This does not include the north course. So you've got seven strokes on approach coming from Sungjae, T4. He's been, throughout this entire stretch, even where he's been a little bit inconsistent with the ball striking, he's been putting it well. This is a pretty prime spot to ask him to go out and, separate himself from the rest of the field considering that's usually how he does it is from t to green um actually let me also pull up i'm gonna look at sung jay's uh farmers or excuse me waste management history while we're here yeah it's great t17 so he didn't play it last year t17 in 2021 t34 in 2020 t7 in 2019 great awesome stuff uh, in one year, he lost in one category. He lost on approach in 2021, every other, of the four major categories for each of each other year, including 2021, he gained Tom Kim is pretty interesting, right? This is, you know, Tom Kim did not, he's going to make his debut, hasn't played this event, right? The meteoric rise that we have gotten from Tom Kim, uh, a couple of really, really good things to see. The two times that he has been horrible with the putter, he has bounced back very, very quickly. He lost six at the BMW Championship. The last time we saw him, the next time we saw him tee it up was the Presidents' Cup. We know he was great there, and then the next time we saw him play a stroke play, a measured stroke play event, he won, gained six strokes putting. Sony Open, he loses six point seven, misses the cut, burns everybody, and the following week, which is even more telling, goes out and gains one point six with the putter. That is. A short memory for a young guy who can get back on track very, very quickly. What he's never been off track with is his approach play. Since he kind of came onto the scene, call it... Scottish Open, when he finishes third, right? So he he plays the U.S. Open, he finishes T23. The Scottish Open is uh, a month later, and then he basically goes on this run where he, he just plays on the PGA Tour basically exclusively, and now he has his card. Now he's, what, a top 15 player in the world. Since then, the Scottish Open, I think it's 15 starts, he has never lost strokes on approach. He's never lost strokes on approach. He has lost strokes off the tee once he's gained strokes around the green in five straight, and we know the putter is the most volatile part of his game, but it's usually good, uh, or it's 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 good much more often than it is bad. I'm fascinated to see what Tom Kim can do this week. Um, the skill set, yes, he lacks the distance, which is something you're going to hear all the time, but the fact that he is still separating himself in all these other categories is really, really solid. $9,000, $9,100 is just screaming at me for Tom Kim. Okay, there's going to be a lot of love already for a couple of these guys in the 8K range. You're already seeing Cam Young love. You're already seeing Sam Burns love. It's not that it's not warranted. Cam Young goes over to uh the saudi international finishes runner-up to abraham answer um oh i guess i gotta put the event name in there so i'll, I'll load that in but you can see here's his strokes gain metrics and here's his runner-up finish um and and he's been playing well right third at the hero t13 at the tournament of champions the american express is always a little bit wonky finishes t26 there so he's getting back on track The guy that maybe I'm more interested in uh, or just interested in general is Sam Burns. You know, we were starting to see glimpses. I really wanted him to play Tory. I thought he was going to be great at Tory right we saw the T11 at the American Express and he finishes with you know two strokes ball striking over two rounds and he gains across the board there and i was really excited to see Sam Burns play Tory i thought it fit his game really really well and it never happened so now what about Scottsdale well T to green play has not been as strong for Sam you know he's not in this run right here He's not in this API to U.S. open run in 2022. He's just he's just not. And what we're banking on here is a lot of what kind of like um, the arguments were for Hideki at Torrey or Homa at Torrey, where you're just like, hey, here's your last 100 rounds. Um, I'm banking on your upside. And we've seen Sam Burns contend at Riviera in a big time event. Uh, we've seen him obviously capture a couple of victories. I thought he was much better at the Presidents Cup than his record ended up showing. I, I think, I think he's gonna he's definitely gonna get an outright bet from me. But um, we'll have to see how popular he is. But I, I do like the way that sets up. Let me point something out on Terrell Hatton here. Terrell Hatton, if you go to the power rankings and you go to the strokes gain distribution and you just look at the the rate in which these guys gain strokes to the field. Terrell Hatton is gaining strokes to the field in 82% of his last 50 rounds. 82%. It is third best in this field behind Rory McElroy and Tony Finau. It's tied with Scotty Scheffler. Now you can see he lacks the upside. He doesn't gain one or more stroke as often as those guys. He doesn't gain two or more. Three or more he's kind of in line with Scotty and then it falls off a cliff. He doesn't he doesn't gain four or more nearly as much in fact a third of a time uh compared to Scotty. Same thing for um, gaining five or more in a single round. So this is kind of a safer option. Terrell Hatton, uh, you know, the ability for him to go out, gain strokes every single round or gain one every single round, but unlikely that you see the upside. If you want to see what that, uh, looks like in terms of actual results, looks like this T 38 at the hero desert, uh, hero Dubai desert classic T seven in Abu Dhabi runner-up at the DP World Tour Championship, T13 at the CJ Cup, so he hasn't played a whole ton, and his last four starts have been European Tour starts, but it's been solid nonetheless. The worry that I have in this 8K range, and this is probably the first time you're ever going to hear me say this, is is Taylor Montgomery. Um, You know, We talked about at the top, this is a golf course that is rare, where it's asking you to be stout, from T to Green, like really, really stout. And it's not that Montgomery isn't. He's fine. Gained three strokes from T to Green at the Farmers, three at the American Express, uh, two and a half at the RSM Classic, but he has never gained, never gained three or more strokes from T to Green in a tournament. Um, even with all these great top 15 finishes, right? We know how reliant he's been on the putter. So it is not that Montgomery cannot win. It's just that his path or, or, or play well or have success, whatever you want to define it as. But his path to the top of the board is much more narrow this week as opposed to a week that will not put so much emphasis on that tee to green play. The $7,000 range. Um, there's a lot of pretty good options here. Shouts to Keegan Bradley and what he's been up to, right? I mean, what's another demanding tee to green golf course? Obviously, Tory Ponds, And Keegan goes out there and gains, let's see seven and a half strokes from T to green in that's three measured rounds, seven strokes with the putter as well. Now you you are liable to get a minus five week with the putter from Keegan. Like that's possible, but it is worth noting that now in his last five starts, three of them, he has gained multiple strokes with the putter. Two of them have been six or more strokes with the putter. And none of those include his win at the Zozo, because that's an unmeasured event, which you probably assume that he putted it pretty well. So we might be seeing Keegan turn the corner, getting himself out of team no putt, and turning himself into a little bit of a more well-rounded player with already uh, some of the better tee to green play, some of the better ball striking coming back, just kind of being a little bit more of a complete player. The other one that stands out before I start doing like the deep data dive is, is Lucas Herbert. So um, remember golf is played all over the globe. And Lucas Herbert's 2023 has gotten off to a really, really good start. So he finished third at the Hero Dubai Desert Classic, third at the Saudi International, T10 at the Australian Open. Those are his last three starts. That's gaining 8, 11, and 13 strokes to the field. The only one that we have the breakdown of the strokes gained for was the Hero Dubai Desert Classic, where he gained across the board. He is already one of the best putters on the planet. He has been driving it adequately. Uh, He hasn't gained a ton, but he's basically gained strokes off the tee in 9 out of 10. And the volatile part of his game is the second shot. He could lose you 3, he could gain you 6. Now that's a little bit worrisome, but when you get to... This portion of the board, the the low seven thousands, the guys that are around him and you say, okay, well, has he been playing well? And, you know, all this other stuff, that's about as good as it's going to get for somebody at seventy two hundred bucks in a field like this. So playing really, really well all over the globe right now. Let me start just like taking this $7,000 range and breaking it out Tita Green, right? Last 36 rounds, best player in the field from Tita Green. It's actually a tie. Jason Day, Siwoo Kim, 1.26 apiece. Corey Connors is in here as well, and Kurt Kitayama. Those are the only four golfers over one stroke per round in terms of Tita Green play. Another guy that gives me a little bit of worry is Russell Henley. You know, Russell Henley has to out-hit his putter. Uh, is essentially the way that I would describe it. So he has to be an elite tee to green player because he is capable of losing and has lost three, four, five strokes basically every start in recent memory. Now, the one we don't have, he probably putted well. That was his win at Mayakoba. But since then, you know, it's not been great off the tee, a small positive. He's been okay on approach, but the putter is just a really big, detriment for him and whatever he does with the putter he's going to have to offset and then some in the ball striking categories and now he's doing it against the best players in the world that seems like a pretty big ask or just as i as i always like to say kind of a narrowed path to the top of the board for him jt poston is at 7300 jt poston remember when he had those three consecutive top 21 finishes well that or excuse me they were all t21 exactly finishes That streak is now over because he finished T6 at the American Express. How about that? So we've got four really good runs at this from JT Poston where he's gained on approach in all three. He's gained off the T in three out of four. The one that he did not gain in – was just the two measured rounds at this at the die course the stadium course the american express he could have very well been better off the tee at the other two courses he's gained around the green in three or four gained with the putter in three or four and then you say well rick well what has he done in phoenix you know you got to have a little bit of of, of history you got to have a little bit of experience which i don't know if that's actually true has never missed a cut here uh t11 in 2021 t23 in 2022 Great metrics across the board. His worst finish is a T37 in any of those four. So I think he'll be popular in that lower 7K range, and it's certainly warranty. He's probably playing some of the better golf that we've seen from him in in quite some time. Uh, you guys know I've been bullish in general on Garrick Higgo. I think that continues. He continues to play well now that he's split with Claude Harmon. Uh, but Gary Woodland's here. So Woodland's won this event before, and we've tried to get glimpses of good Gary again, right? He has the top 10 in Houston, but he doesn't play well at the uh, at the Sony where he loses three strokes on approach. But then the 3.7, this is the thing that gets me. He's always going to reel me back in with this. Gaining 3.7 uh, ball striking at Torrey Pines is splendid. Just splendid stuff in three rounds. He lost 5.5 with the putter and another 3.8 around the green. So he lost 9.5 in the short game categories, which is not the first time in his last four starts he has lost that many, which as as terrifying as this is. So he lost eleven in the short game categories at Congaree, lost nine and a half at Tory. I will say, difficulty wise, I'm not sure you could lose that many around the green at TPC Scottsdale. I suppose it's possible, but I'm I'm a sucker for the 3.7 that he that he gained in the ball striking categories. Um, at Torrey Pines. I am, I must admit it. And I think, I think kind of the harder things get, I think that's generally better for him. You know, look at it, look at his, look at his best finishes as of late 10th place finish at the U S open T nine at Memorial park, the 3.7 at Torrey Pines that he gained. Um, yeah, I mean, those are his best finishes and they're all three difficult, difficult golf courses. So, um, I'll take a flyer there probably just match the field or be a little bit overweight i won't do anything crazy it's not an all-in situation on on gary woodland the sixes there's a couple obvious ones i think you got to go back to hayden buckley right runner-up finish at the sony he misses the cut at the farmers after shooting i think it was 80 in round two it was ugly you got to give him a crack here right just the skill set alone he's the best driver of the ball in the seven k in the 6k range he's probably one of the best from t to green in general in the 6k range you, you gotta you gotta give it a crack um Johnny Vegas, if you guys haven't been paying attention, is back. So he had shoulder surgery, so he missed time in the fall. He's played twice, I believe, now in 2023. Yeah, he did. This is is a dirty little stat line. So watch this. American Express, he misses the cut, gaining a stroke and a half to the field. That is the rub of the green on a a multi-course, three-course rotation where you're just on the wrong side of it. He gained to the field in three rounds and missed the cut. A stroke and a half. That's hard to do. Really hard to do. Gained across the board. Farmers, true test of golf. 4.4 in the ball striking categories in the positive. Loses two strokes putting. It's the only place that he lost. And he finished T25. So we've got two really strong Stat lines for a guy who I think is $6,800. He might not even be that much. $6,700. So two really strong stat lines. One where he gets unlucky with a miscut. One where he gains a bunch of strokes in the ball striking categories at Tory Pines. Like, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. It's admittedly going to be difficult for some of these 6K guys to really make a splash. The other one that I would consider, and you got to remember, this is just like as much as I would love to just look at the spreadsheet and say, oh this guy's in this guy's out you gotta you gotta remember the human the human side of things here. So Nate Lashley goes T3 at the Sony Open where he gained five and a half strokes ball striking eight from T to green. He looked great. That was awesome. The American Express he misses the cut. fine, whatever. Pebble Beach uh, he had to withdraw to go play this event, right? So that's what that went, or I guess he technically knew he was going to miss the cut, but he withdrew withdrew on, what would that have been? Like Saturday night or Sunday morning, knowing that he wasn't going to be able to finish until Monday, going to play this event. So like that WD, it's it's always going to kind of look a lot worse. It still was probably trending towards a missed cut. He lost a stroke to the field in whatever two and a half rounds that he played. So it it wasn't great. He was fine off the tee. But this is not that bad, I guess. And the other thing that has me at least worth a flyer is his history in Phoenix is pretty good. Missed the cut last year, but T17 in 2021, T3 in 2020, it's high risk, high reward, right? He's going to be volatile. He might just miss the cut. He might finish T7, whatever. I don't know. But that stat profile I think is indicative of a guy who could actually pop off and he's going to one of the best places for him to pop off is probably the way i'll i'll, I'll say it custom model let's run a model so this is the rick run good custom model let's do oh boy i i want to heavily weigh t to green here let's do strokes gained off the t last 24 for 20 Strokes gained approach lasts 36. Go back a little bit further for 20. Strokes gained around the green, let's say 50 for 15. And then strokes gained putting lasts 24, more recent, at 10. Okay. So we've kind of made our own little strokes gained total. So now I've got 35 left. What I will also do, uh, I will do the course history thing. I think that, I do think that that is. Is pretty important. So let me do TPC Scottsdale for 20. That gives us 15 left. Let's just put the last 15 on odds. On the implied win percentage. This is a pretty standard stock. Like go, you know, give me your big boys model. Yeah, and look who's number one and two. Rahm is one. Rory two. Cantlay three. Hideki four. J T five. That's worrisome for me. Terrell Hatton, six, Scotty Scheffler, seven. So this is actually not super crazy, right? Xander, eight, Spieth, nine, Morikawa 10. So the, the outlier, so let's look at the outliers here. Hatton being sixth is an, is an outlier way above his, his position. Jordan being ninth above his position. Ricky Fowler being 12th and Matt Kuchar being 13th. Finau being 14th, being well below his Ex- expectation Frankie Molinari being 16th that's way above but yeah I mean this is the big boys we're gonna we're gonna play the big boys is there anybody else that's a re- Keegan at 77 being 20th that's pretty darn good is there anybody else expensive down here actually Tom Kim does not grade out very well for me in the model that I just ran but hmm, yeah Taylor Montgomery 59th yeah that's tough okay um, I'm gonna remember to save this one so I'll save this because I do want to revisit it on Wednesday, and I don't want to forget about it. So I'll save that and come back to it. Okay, go sign up for rickrungood.com. There's never been a better time. Giant database for fantasy and betting. All the data you could possibly imagine from six different tours, including strokes gained from the European tour. I will see you in Phoenix. Best of luck this week, and I'll talk to you soon.